You're listening to the Big Finish Podcast, release date the 31st of October 2021. If you're such a smarty pants, why did it take you so long to find me? I've been here the best part of a century. I know that now. All I need is a ride. Oh, you should have said. Nothing I like more than being treated as a glorified taxi service at gunpoint. You see, sarcasm. <laughs> I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and welcome to our podcast all about the audio drama of Big Finish Productions. Oh, I like that. After a brief chat about who knows what, uh, Benji and I will be giving you the Good Reviews Guide, sifting through the lovely comments reviewers made about the Doomsday Contract, starring Tom Baker as the Doctor, Lala Ward as Romana, and John Leeson as K9, a classic lineup if ever I heard one, and I did. Doctor! We need you. Following that, <laughs> I like that. Following that, uh, we're straight behind the scenes with the 12th Doctor Chronicles Time Jacked, starring Jacob Dudman, a release that's out this very week. Hello, my name's Jacob Dudman, and I'm voicing the 12th Doctor. <gasps> and then, of course, it'll be time for listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. In our also available segment, we zoom back to the 8th Doctor and Lucy Miller with a fascinating audio documentary made by the brilliant Big Finish sound designer, Martin Montague. Hello, I'm Barnaby Edwards, and I am the line producer of the 8th Doctor Adventures at Big Finish. And if you want to bet on a certainty, the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be featuring offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. There, Brighton, 1851. We love to see it. And finally, we round things off with a free 15-minute drama tease of the 12th Doctor Chronicles Time Jacked Flight to Calandra by Matt Fitton. Stop waving that thing around before you damage something. I could say the same to you. Uh, I feel some explanation is required concerning Mm. the Eighth Doctor and Lucy documentary, but I'd Mm. also like to apologise for sounding very bunged up. Sorry yes, you've got uh, you've got loads of toilet paper stuffed up your nose, haven't you? I was, I was going to ask you why. <laughs> well, you, actually, why look, that. I have got some toilet paper here to wipe my nose with. Uh, I've I've had a terrible cold. You've, you've fallen to the mega cold two thousand that's going around. And this is my you, first day out of you know not constantly lying down and feeling pathetic. I've hyped myself up. You're to, ready. You'll crash out this. after after this. Yeah. You'll be you'll be I bed will. bound. But uh, but we appreciate you joining us, Nick. From the oh, well, uh, th- that's what I was after, Benji. And I would say that you know even even if you're mad enough to have some weird conspiracy theory about COVID nineteen, sorry to be controversial. Um, I, presumably, you don't think the common cold is a conspiracy, so it's worth wearing a mask just not to get the common cold. Frankly, because we've all been locked away for so long, our immune system. Uh, you get a cold. And it, and it just goes, what the, you know, and yeah. wow, it's just been. And also, I've noticed the difference between my, my immune system as um, a 60 year old man and Jamie Anderson's as a 30 something year old man. There's a big difference. I think Jamie and I, we were in a place called Brixham shooting some interviews for a Jerry Anderson documentary. And um, we both seem to catch this at the same time. Jamie is able to motor through it, bit coughing and you know what I mean. But he's he's kind of okay. Although he did text me this morning and say, "Oh, it's got worse." But it's you know what I mean. He was, whereas the older man can't quite cut it. 
Yeah, you just look to... appalled, Benji. I was just wondering if you're going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. A, I'm, I am. I'm quite frankly. I'm appalled at you both. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now, nothing you can do when you get these things. You think, oh, right, I've got to deal with this now. Um, but I know so many people that have that have suffering this horrible cold because we're we're finally going out into the big wide yeah. world. And wear a mask know. whenever you can. It does help. Yeah, stop. and it's great as well because you can hide from everybody else. It's lovely. Yeah, you know, that's what I find. Little world. You are. You think it's the best thing about a mask, and I can say this for a fact: is it, it often gives out the vibe don't bother me which I actually really like like if you're on a train it's like don't bother me don't sit next to me yeah. I love that I say just keep them around they're great yeah or a hazmat suit <laughs> well that well that helps that that does help yeah big gas mask um, <laughs> yes, well you so don't need it you don't need a gas mask for this next what? segment segment this is Hold the on. oh Nick's, I Nick's, was, Nick's uh, wants to make a point to talk about the eighth oh, of course she was silly me yes carry on carry on <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast no goodbye um um uh, it was it was done back in the day, you know, when we first did the uh, Lucy and Eighth Doctor stuff. The old times. And Martin Montague, just off his own bat, just decided to put together this thing. And he introduced me to a way of recording which this podcast and Big Finish in general benefits from now. Which is that back in those days, what he'd do is just phone me up and he phoned me up and did an interview with me on the phone and we recorded at each end and then he put the interviews together like that's sort see. of what we do to this day it is so so it's an important thing from that point of view and also martin's so talented at those kind of things it's a really interesting documentary it's a it's a snapshot of you know time some of the things that barnaby edwards and i for example we're the main interviewees there um that we say we probably don't agree with anymore so it's interesting just to see where our mindset was back then if there's anything too controversial i'll just cut it out but uh <laughs> it's uh, yeah i just you know i remembered these lovely documentaries and they were put out as podcasts years and years and years ago and i just said to martin oh god have you still got those because i think it's time we you know gave them another airing and I, they make for some even though i say so myself <laughs> fascinating listening <laughs> see what you think benji there's an email from benji clifford saying this was boring rubbish oh. this was not fascinating listening it was very unfascinating <laughs> it, it <laughs> uh, no, i look forward to hearing it you may now proceed mr clifford thank you very much thank you <laughs> Uh, time now for the Good Review Guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And this week, as promised, it's Doctor Who, The Lost Stories, The Doomsday Contract. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Lost Stories, The Doomsday Contract. Doctor, we need you. You must come to us. What? I have got numbers in my head. A set of coordinates. Who could beam coordinates directly into your brain? K9, feed them into the TARDIS computer. Act like an expert, but don't act like you know more than the judge. And most importantly, smile, but don't look like a lunatic. My craft has a mind of her own. Are you proposing that this contraption has sentience? Oh, oh definitely, yes. Then yes. the machine is culpable. Call security and arrest it for trespass, contempt of court, impediment of justice, impersonating a police officer. Put it in the cells until such time as it can stand trial. A time lord called the Doctor? I've heard of him. An annoying space hippie who likes to get involved. 
Because Megalon bought this planet to bulldoze it, but we cited a preservation order placed on it three million years ago. So that planet's under real threat? I'm afraid so. Does this planet have a proper name? Earth! No! Tragacanth! Don't open it! Hello, Doctor. Hello. We are the children of Pixis. And we are here to bring you life. The children of Pixis are back. Canine's knocking them out of the air, but they're just reappearing again. You will be vaporized. Your Honor. And your atoms will be scattered to the nine corners of the universe until you be dead. Your Honor, you're not in the criminal courts anymore. This is a civil court. They're already out. They're coming for us! They're going to kill us! Big finish. We love stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Doomsday Contract into the search pane at the top for a rather lovely slice of Douglas Adams-style Doctor Who. Ooh. First up, Big Blue Box podcast Jordan Shortman says, The Doomsday Contract is another great story uh, for the Lost Stories range and another story. It's a lot of stories. There's three stories in a well, row Tell there. me a story. <laughs> uh, and you can find this on the third story near stories. Uh, much like the return <laughs> of the stories, uh, the Cybermen, uh, where you wonder why it was never chosen to be made as an actual story. I'd happily see <laughs> stories. stories. Stories, I get stories like Nightmare of Eden and the Horns of Nymon uh, swapped with this one. Well, alas, it was never to be. Instead, we can now enjoy it on audio, an audio story. Nev Fountain does a great job handling these characters, especially as I don't think he's done this TARDIS team before and the whole production. Even down to Howard Carter's music score perfectly recreates the Graham Williams era. This is another story that is well worth a listen. Sorry, Jordan, for, for mocking your use of the word story, but of course we love stories, so that's we fine do. by us. Uh, WarpedFactor.com, Tony Filer, again mistyped as Flyer, but it is Filer. Um, <laughs> the Doomsday Contract is a smart, fast, funny, more than a little screwball satire on a lot of irritating things with the sense of a fictional universe of absurdity, chicanery, clashing, impossible realities, and often the little species in the middle getting squeezed. He's so Mr. Filer. You know, Bill Filer here, we got to stop the axons. Uh, anyway, back to Tony, uh, Bill's son. Uh, for those who love the idea of the Earth being demolished to make a new hyperspace bypass, it's a return to a universe which was, however briefly, entirely intertwined with the reality of Doctor Who. And as such, it's both endangered and precious itself and should be cherished. Brilliant, <laughs> lovely review. I give like that, that 11 out of 10, Tony. Spinal Tap grade. Uh, we are cult.rock. Stephen Brennan says the Doomsday Contract is quite possibly one of the best releases Big Finish have ever done. Wow! Or ever had, as it says here. A laugh, riot from start to finish, Ooh. and a deeply satisfying story to boot. Boot it! Uh, boot it with your shoes. Uh, it's up there with Farewell, Great Macedon, uh, The Elite, uh, and countless other lost stories in the category of if it had been made, it would have been considered one of the best of all time. I can think of no higher compliment to pay it than that. Well, that's pretty high. I, it was sort of falsetto, Stephen. It was so high, wasn't it? Sort of, yeah, right up, right oh. up in the grade. Bit higher, bit higher. Oh, Any higher? A, I can can't you... go. <laughs> <laughs> Not 
not with this cold. Not with these feet. Uh, <laughs> SciFiBulletin.com. That's a little porridge joke for you. I don't know whether you know that face. Uh, Paul no, Simpson says, very, Paul Simpson's very reserved here. Very businesslike. Yeah. Uh, very much a season 17 story and outlook and presentation. This is an enjoyable trip back in time. Eight out of ten. Well, that is an eight out of ten review. I give that review eight out of ten. It's, it's nice. With, withheld review there. Just yes. sort of, you know, this is what it is. I like yes. it. It's yeah. like um, Brief Encounter, the emotions in Brief Encounter. The, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Tell me, no, you've been away yes. for a long time, darling, and now you've come back to me. Are you going to get that train or not? <laughs> Give us a kiss. Imagine if he said that. Are you going to get that train or not? <laughs> Go on, shoo. Um, cultbox.co.uk in McArdle says, are you going to get that train or not? Uh, no, he doesn't say that. It says, the Doomsday contract is fast uh, and funny. Wow. Steeped in comedy as it takes pot shots at bureaucracy and corporate outsourcing. There is so much going on here that it will doubtlessly take... Uh, that it will doubtless take a few listens to catch all the jokes. Director Nicholas Briggs keeps the pace frenetic, and he also stars as the foreman of The Lost Jury 2. With pitch-perfect sound design and a delightful score from Howard Carter, we can easily imagine the story sitting alongside season 17 bedfellows like City of Death and Sharda. Uh, the story happily plays up to the hitchhiker's tone throughout too. If you love that, you're bound to like this and that's five stars four of them are blue and one is white yeah which makes it just makes it six stars yeah, coincidentally yeah. i give that review six stars out of three uh news.doctorwho-online.co.uk snappy little url there uh, robert emlyn slater um I was very impressed. I remember uh, Robert's name uh, in the previous uh, last week's email uh, caused some hilarity with uh, Benji and Colin Baker. (laughs) But that's all behind us now, Robert. It's fine. You can relax. I was very impressed with this story and loved how silly, funny and downright ridiculous it was at times. Tom Baker is clearly having a lot of fun with the material that he's been given and the absurdity and comedy of the story definitely satisfied my hitchhiker's cravings for sure. If you are a fan of when Doctor Who is a bit sillier than usual and doesn't take itself too seriously or if you're just a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in general, then you won't be disappointed with this story in the slightest. Eight out of ten. Funnily enough, I give that review ten out of eight. Ten out of eight. We like things like that. The blog of delights.blogspot.com, child of the 70s here, says the Doomsday contract would have fitted nicely into season 17, Lloyd being very much of a like mind to Adams, and it's no surprise it never made it uh, into the ponderously po-faced season 18. Controversial. Oh, yeah. Controversial claxons, please. Uh, Fountain took two drafts of the script and fashions into a very successful romp, one that is clever, funny, and excellently performed. A thoroughly lovely two hours listening. And there's what looks like four stars there, but as we all know, really, Child of the 70s just stubbed their toe. And no! screamed, all stars! What's this business about two drafts of the script and fashions? I thought he worked from a storyline, actually. Anyway. <clears throat> no, no, in... it was the window was open, so the drafts were coming in. Oh, yeah, I'm glad yeah, you've explained yeah. that now. Yeah, and a paperweight. In that world of madness we call Twitter, at Nottenst says, just, have I missed how to pronounce that? I, no, I no, 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 it's just, it's just gobbledygook. Not okay. ten streets. <laughs> Because Colin Baker's what no, was Colin, Colin Baker's mispronunciation of one last week was particularly funny. 
I don't know, but I, I keep trying to think of when we first opened the call and Colin said microphone, but he called it something else and it really made us laugh. And I can't remember what it was. What, instead of microphone? Yeah, he said something like this. I can't remember what it was, but it, was just, it sounded very slightly like microphone, but it wasn't. But it, I found it very funny. Um, was it Micronaut? Uh, uh, Microdot? <laughs> it's a very small microphone. Microprocessor. I don't know, but it was very. It made we, me chuckle. We did have a few technical difficulties beforehand, which resulted. We forgot to mention it last week. We should have, which resulted in Colin managing to cut off the sound, so he couldn't hear us anymore. And so Benji resorted to sharing his screen on Zoom and typing messages on screen to Colin. <laughs> Colin, can you read this? He says, yes, yes, I can, but I can't hear you. No, we know that. Now, Colin, could you look? On? It was just. He's yeah. such a good sport. Oh, it was such fantastic. A good sport. Fantastic. Great guy. A shame we can't have him on every week, actually. True, no, true. Um, anyway, Nottenst says, just finished listening to the fourth Doctor Who, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, cold coming in, uh, the Doomsday Contract, adapted by at Nev Fountain. This was loads of fun and reminded me of Douglas Adams by design, in brackets. It brought lots of smiles to my face. <laughs> and your arms. And your, yeah, your I was going to say, and... I brought a smile to my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did. Paul R. McDonald nice. uh, at Nev Fountain listened to the Doomsday Contract this afternoon <clears throat> what and Nef absolutely did. loved it. Apparently so. Yeah. Uh, no, it was an at Nev Fountain there. You see, they're, they're, they're speaking directly to, to him. Uh, the best attempt at capturing this particular era of Doctor Who that I've encountered, full of wonderful lines and performances. Congratulations to you and That's everyone Nef. on a. And then there's it's a five star adaptation. I thought there was just more more uh, swearing going. Just on, looks rude frankly. on a adaptation. Yeah, well done on a something adaptation. Oh well, I, I give that review uh, another five stars, uh, making right, it right. Uh, up to two hundred. I'm very good at maths. At Sand Sandberg Law. <laughs> I'm really failing with the Twitter handles today. The Doomsday Contract by John Lloyd and adapted by At Nev Fountain may be my favourite Doctor Who Big Finish story. It may be, or it may not be. A hilarious legal satire mixed with mind-bending science fiction. It's reminiscent of hashtag Dr. Adams and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Highly recommend it. It's great. It's great stuff. It's a lot of uh, a lot of lightness to Hitchhikers there. People get it, which is always good. Uh, this is from the same person, but it's from the same. I was going to say, I thought I was going insane in the mind, but it is from <laughs> Sandberg Law. Uh, at Big Finish at Nev Fountain, just finished the Doomsday Contract. It's like that Doctor Who slash Hitchhikers crossover that we all imagined as kids, uh, but far better than we ever could have dreamed. Superb writing and performances from the cast, and, and you see what they've done here. They've given it a 42 out of 10. Oh, so. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I give all those reviews 42 out of 10. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it for this week. More next time when we take a look at Master with an exclamation mark starring Eric Roberts, who I once spoke to in a car park. Did he dress for the occasion? <laughs> I was in my pyjamas, actually. There'd been a fire alarm <laughs> standing in a car park. with a And fire. he's there in a suit and a dinner jacket. I wear dress for the occasion. <laughs> it's in the middle of the night. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> Coming up soon, it'll be listeners' emails. But first, we go behind the scenes with the Twelfth Doctor Chronicles Time Jacked Flight to Kalandra by Matt Fitton. Hello, my name is Alf Shaw, and I am the producer of the Twelfth Doctor Chronicles Time Jacked. This is the Doctor, and whatever's gone wrong on Kalandra 
He might be able to help. Under arrest? Marched along at gunpoint? I'd say this is as good a time as any for an explanation, Miss Sandstrom. Recording Time Jacked has been just an absolute blast. It's the first story that Jake and I have recorded together where we were allowed back in a studio. So we were able to get Jake and Bav into the sound house for all three days, which was just great. It's really brilliant to catch up with people. Recording remotely has its benefits in in terms of, you know, you're being able to actually do it when everything's slightly shut down. But it's so nice to be back in the studio and give the actors free reign to just really focus in on their performance and be in the same room and feed off the energy. Whereas if they are recording from home, they are also having to be sound technician as well as possibly a parent or partner or any other manner of interruption. So being back in the studio was was just so wonderful and so great to be able to go we can focus on this and just the energy was really electric they really responded well to it hello my name's jacob dudman and i'm voicing the 12th doctor hide the gun suddenly get a shot at but or is it me you're worried about what's the worst i'm gonna do run off and leave you in peace oh it is magnificent it's spacious so efficient in that we don't have to ident every scene and wait for technical issues or problems with you know getting uh, getting connected online or dogs barking in the background and it's really helped as well being around um, great cast members who you can sort of feel the energy of the room with and bounce off of so that's been really cool also socially you know it's uh, socially it's been it's been great and, and having a lunch break together you know and getting to connect with people the decision to have the story be basically one big epic was taken fairly early on. We wanted to do something, especially with the first full cast 12th story, that was big in scope and enabled us to touch upon lots of different places and locations and also give a complete sort of one and done story so you know we didn't want to be setting up too much for down the road so the focus was really making sure that everything works together in a single box set so we drew inspiration from the older Doctor Who serials that would move from location to location with each part so while this is one big story at the end of every episode there is a sense of movement and change and drive to the whole thing so we're not just we don't stay on Calandra we move off for the next story and we get to see the consequences of what's gone down in this first story. My name is Bavnisha Palmer, Bav for short, and I've been playing Kira Sandstrom today. You broke the first rule of the agency. You interfere. Oh, that's rich coming from you. I've read your files, Doctor. I'm better qualified. I've centuries of experience. I'm a time lord. Oh, you're pulling rank. Somebody needs to take charge of the situation. Crazily enough, uh, there's a lot of kind of similarities between uh, myself and her. So little things like uh, the sarcasm she has, the kind of sassiness she has, the attitude and just kind of like almost, I'd like to say, but not the kind of stroppiness that she has a little bit towards the situations. I think immediately I kind of um, gelled with a lot of that stuff. So um, some of those bits came naturally and then like the bits that didn't. I'm somebody who's like kind of old school with my script where I'll just kind of get up, I'll play around with it, I'll kind of feel out what the space is 
is um, feel out the other characters, you know, what they're saying, what they're doing, and then kind of get in that way. And then, you know, things will happen and you'll you'll notice little beats and you'll notice little moments and you'll notice little kind of changes and intentions. And then you kind of like write them all down mentally and then again, read the script again and, you know, just kind of keep going through it, not over rehearsing it, but going through it in like a fun, playful way and, and getting up off your feet and stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got into the character. Having a companion from the future means that we can get to the action a lot quicker because we are familiar with the beats and tropes of the Doctor's world and we can explore time travel and the reaction to time travel in a very different way. So where in the sort of traditional Doctor companion setup, the Doctor is the one who knows all about time, having someone who not only knows about that but is actively using him is a, is a different and interesting dynamic. Bab's great. Obviously, knowing that we were going to be together for some time was, uh, I wouldn't say nerve-wracking, but um, certainly as soon as I met her, any sort of doubts were um, put to bed. She's such a lovely person and also just so brilliant at what she does. So it's really nice to have a companion of sorts to, to go through these adventures with, um, you know, because so often you, you see someone for an afternoon and it's nice and then they're gone. So um, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the box set with her. He's so kind of giving, he's so warm to his kind of um, approach to acting. He's got a really great kind of mindful eye of the character. And I think when someone does that or someone has that, um, it really brings out um, the best in you as well. And I know that I've got so many scenes with him that, you know, we really kind of bounced off each other today. And, and that's kind of the way he approaches it with so much kind of fun. And we have so much laughter. We, we've had a lot of laughter today, you know, just through the scenes and stuff. And it really keeps the energy up and it keeps the it keeps the banter alive and it keeps us, um, it keeps kind of us on our toes as well. So he's, yeah, he's a great guy, great, great guy to work with. I think the relationship they have is really fun. I think that from the moment we started saying the lines back and forth to each other, it really came out. You know, it was all there in the words and the script is brilliant, but as soon as you put the energy into it, you see how much of a collision course they are personality-wise, I suppose, um, but also quite similar in very ways, you know? There's a reason the Doctor can see her arrogance and you know, dislikes her sarcastic nature. And I, I think it probably comes from a dislike of that in himself. This opens up new sides to the Twelfth Dogs that we've not really had before. He's not really been on the, the back foot with a companion. With Clara, you know, he was on the back foot when it was 11, but that arc had been resolved and it was now him travelling with Clara and working out the life, her life and how he would fit in alongside Danny. And with Bill, obviously, we have the teacher-student dynamic. So we really wanted something that would present a new and different dynamic in this case, having the Doctor being on the back foot and trying to work out what was going on, as well as having someone who is really, who isn't impressed by the time travel and the wonders of the universe. Today's script was great. Um, I love the concept, I love the characters involved. I think it's really fun always to go to new planets. And I think it's really fun to, to land somewhere and there's already something gone horribly wrong. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Time Jacked into the search pane at the top to continue the great adventures of the Twelfth Doctor. Nick, I uh, fancy a little bit of email fun. <laughs> well, that's lucky because it's time for listeners' emails. <laughs> Timing of the gods. If you want to get in touch with us, it's so simple. Just uh, write it on a scroll, attach it to a pigeon, 
and just say go and it will arrive and uh Brilliant. I believe the pigeon's turning up right now, Nick. I thought you were going to do a funny thing, but you just grab. Oh, there he is! I just improvised that. When you said about scroll, I always think of a Morecambe and Wise sketch where they say it's sort of set in Roman Roman times. He says, "Have you got the scrolls?" He said, "No, I always walk like this." <laughs> <laughs> I love those. Ga- those are some of the best gags. Those ones. What was it? Have you got the list? No, 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 no. It's just the way I wear my trousers. Um, it's just so stupid. But um, all you need to do is send your emails to podcast at bigfinish.com. They'll whiz through the whatever they whiz through, the nothing, because it just sort of goes and, and, and it arrives here. It's pigeons and still here. And we've got one here from Snatcher himself, Steve Hatcher. <laughs> <laughs> I, still, I still laugh about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, lovely Steve uh, always a, a top guy to email in um, here we go right a definitive pronunciation guide or pronunciation or pronunciation it's pronounced scherzo there we go it's scherzo. the Italian word for joke so contrary to your claim that no one knows how to pronounce it almost <laughs> 60 million Italians would manage it <laughs> plus those of us who have learned the language Steve, you, you always manage to, to pull out the, the most perfect and slightly, you know, the quietest <laughs> moments of the podcast and expose them to the masses. Uh, si vediamo presto, Steve. Don't know what that means. I think it must be, you know... Um, it's nothing rude. <laughs> uh, it's, it's probably something like, you know, don't forget to wear your dressing gown. You, Type it into Google, find out what it means. Yeah, you carry on the next email. But of course, I, I just want to say, further. Steve, you know, we, we were talking about the scherzo, the um, a big Finnish story, and I made one of those stupid statements. I said, yeah, nobody knows how to pronounce it. Um, a, because Benji, I think, was messing up pronouncing it, so I wanted to make him I feel I just do that all the time. Thank uh, you. By saying, yeah, no. But also, in the context of that Doctor Who story, I've heard so many people, you know, say, I really love scherzo. You know, and things like that, which is fine. But yeah, it's it is scherzo. I didn't realise it meant joke, which is interesting. Which is Rob Shearman gave it that title, having a bit of a joke on all of us. I think very unlike Rob. <laughs> what is so it? What it, is it? It means uh, I'll see you soon. Si vediamo presto. Ah, I'll see you soon. But I'm I'm quite sad here really. because because Steve didn't use the full version, which is si vediamo presto dorsessa. I think it is dolcesa, which means uh, I'll see you soon, sweetness. <laughs> Sorry, I think, I think sweet sweetness just would have would have done it for me. Well, um, Stephen Hatcher is sweetness. Certainly, is like like a pot of honey. But yeah, he's uh, an ex-teacher, and um, it never leaves you, does it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> just that slight sort of. Um, excuse me, I just want to point out, you know, it's that, just that, that is the best thing at, at conventions when Steve's there, just sort of raise the right, quiet, yeah. <laughs> hundreds of people like, in a room, and he just, without even looking up, just, will everybody please just move over to the left-hand side of the room, thank you, <laughs> and everyone just immediately obeys, you know, it's because we all remember that voice from school. Get out your rough books. <laughs> sorry, sir, sorry, sorry. Um, we love him, we love him. Next up. Uh, Justin Bush, who I believe is uh, Justin B. Quinnick, who tweets a lot about us. Um, it writes uh, about last week's podcast. The lovely Colin. Dear Nick and Benji, your delightful podcast was made even more delightful with Colin Baker as a guest last week. Alas, I don't have any whisks or eye stalks for his Dalek, as Colin told us a story about a Dalek toy that he recovered from the hard shoulder of a motorway, thereby breaking several important highway 
laws. Um, but I do have a quick anecdote. Earlier this year, my family and I had the privilege of meeting Colin through a virtual con. That's like when he took all your bank details and uh, fleeced you. Is that what you mean? Oh, no, not that sort of con. OK. He was uh, tickled by the fact that I did indeed get my son's name, Carlin. That's C-A-H. L-E-N, from being a fan of his. We bonded over our strong dislike of how here in America, Colin is often pronounced colon, spelled C-O-L-O-N, or mispronounced colon. Uh, hence the phonetic spelling of my son's name. They've had to write it Carlin so that they say it the American way for Carlin rather than colon. Um, when Carlin excitedly showed him the Dalek figures he was playing with, Colin whipped out his rescued Dalek and gleefully exclaimed, Mine's bigger than yours! Ha 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 ha! He included a picture here, which sadly those of you at home can't see. Uh, he pulled it seemingly from nowhere and blew my children's minds. We ended up chatting for a good while, a really wonderful experience. It always is with Colin. He's brilliant. On that point, a, a, a virtual BF day would meet and greet. Oh, at a, vir- at oh, a virtual, at a virtual yeah. BF day, would meet and greets or virtual Q and A's be something you'd ever consider? Thanks for your time, as always. Sincerely, Justin Bush at Justin B Quinnick. Um, I'm not sure it is something we consider. It's quite um, complicated to do, but I know I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, by the way, says P.S. Hearing Colin read out a review of mine about one of Tom's stories felt unbelievably surreal. And for the record, you are all filled with throwback goodness. Yeah. <laughs> That was part of Justin's review. Justin always does a great review. Thank you. Certainly does. Thank you so much, Justin. We've got one here from Adam Ross. The subject of this one is Happy Halloween with a little little, uh, Halloween emoji of a pumpkin. Uh, It says here, Dear Nick and Benji, uh, wishing you both and everyone at Big Finish a spooktacular Halloween for 2021. (laughs) Very good. I felt like I was on the ghost train then. Uh, firstly, I wanted to thank the team and everyone for the magnificent job on Dalek Universe and the bats that's just flying around Dalek Universe 3. A truly sublime release with each story going from strength to strength, filled with unexpected revelations and concluding on a really high note. And this is the bit that is it. You see, that was the bit we just had a, a little internet glitch there. Uh, and that was the bit where I said, Nick, the high note, please. And I looked over and I, did I get a photo of it, Nick? I don't know, but you just looked really <laughs> pleased with yourself. Yes, I've got it here. I don't know if you can see this. You looked incredible. You, you looked incredibly uh, yeah. pleased with yourself. Um, it, was, it was wonderful. Um, that I'm still alive. Just just happy to be here. Uh, the chemistry between David Tennant and Jane Slavin was sparkling throughout the trilogy, giving the Tenth Doctor and Anya a real bond as one of the best Doctor-slash-companion duos in recent Big Finish history. But I must say that Terry Malloy, or as it says here, Terry Molly, stole the show <laughs> as Davros, and the scenes with him and the Tenth Doctor were pure fireworks. I really hope we get to see more experimental audios like Dalek Universe for the Tenth Doctor in the future. Secondly, as today is the spookiest day of the year, Ooh. the spookiest day of the year, yes. uh, I have introduced my girlfriend to the world of Big Finish, and we plan to listen to a whole heap of spooky Doctor Who audios <gasps> to celebrate the day, such as Solitaire, oh. Static, oh. Ghost Walk, did the oh. music on that one, I hope mm. you can find it spooky, because I did, Invaders of Mars, The Darkness of Glass. Mm. If you or Nick have any more suggestions for spooky audios, please let us know. Um, Second Doctor Chronicles Volume 1 or 2 I can't remember but it's got a good story on that one 
Is it about ghosts? It's about like a ghost train, and it's really good and Ooh. yeah, very spooky. Uh, and basically just any of survivors, but I don't know if that will spook you or depress you. I mean, I'd love to suggest Jekyll and Hyde, but I'm recording that in a few weeks' time, so it's not done yet. It's not quite in the can yet, but uh, oh, good Dracula, of course. Dracula. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Frankincense. Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's right up there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I hope you enjoy those spooks. Um, the good thing is we've got some suggestions here. Finally, oh. I had a couple of oh, not suggestions, a couple of questions. Here we okay, go. Here's the yeah. technical bit. Firstly, would Big Finish consider approaching Carrie Mulligan to reprise her role as Sally Sparrow for some audio dramas? Given she was originally approached back in the day to become a companion for Series 4, it would be really great to see what the companion slash doctor relationship would have been between Sally and the Tenth Doctor. Um, she's so mega famous. She's Hollywood, isn't she? Hollywood We'd never levels. get her. We'd never get her. I mean, funnily enough, uh, we did ask for her to be in something before she became mega, mega famous after she'd done um, Blink. But we got a very polite sort of, um, I don't think so. <laughs> That's around about the same time we were considering casting uh, Matt Smith as... Um, one of the companions in uh, a company of friends which you go on to mention actually adam um not the matt smith thing and i and i vetoed the casting because i said i thought matt smith was too young to play his <laughs> companion ouch <laughs> and then he got cast as the doctor says what i know literally you know. nothing out of touch mate out of, out of touch. touch useless useless shove him on the scrap heap uh, secondly, with the exciting news of having uh, Charlie and the Eighth Doctor reuniting mm. in January next year, I was wondering if there'd be any more audio set in the classic Eighth Doctor era in the near future. I completely adored the Lucy Miller box set, and I miss the carefree wonderlust of the classic Eighth Doctor. So I would love to see Big Finish explore more from that era, perhaps even a Company of Friends box set with Izzy Sinclair or Fitz Kreiner. Mm-hmm. Um, we've not got any plans for that, but we always intend to... We would love to go back and do more with Charlie and more with Lucy Miller, too. I'm not sure about Izzy or Fitz Kreiner. I remember the... I can't remember the guy's name who played Fitz Kreiner for us, but he was very big in EastEnders at the time, I seem to remember. And he was great fun. hope it yeah. was Barry from EastEnders. He was, uh, also, finally, he was also in Hustle, I think, was it? Or was it Hotel Babylon, one of those sort of glossy BBC... Serious. I remember we felt we were quite lucky to get him, and he was absolutely charming. And, and Matt D'Angelo. Matt D'Angelo. That's right. That was the part that we someone suggested Matt Smith for, and I didn't think that he was. So you just went for another Matt. Yeah, yeah. I said only Matts can play this part. <laughs> so, so Matt, he played Dean Wicks, Dino in EastEnders from 2006 to 2016, a ten-year stretch. Wow. And what did he? What was the other series he did? Did he? Was it ba- Hotel Babylon? Ordinary Lies, uh, Bourgeois. Uh, hustle, yes, hustle. Death hustle. in Paradise, Fable hustle. 3, The Game, never, Casualty. Never, I'm not interested. Best thing here, though, is Chris Rea, uh, Chris Rea driving home for Christmas version 2 video short. Not what, version 1, that? version, I don't know, he's in that apparently. 2009. Playing Chris Rea. I hope so. Uh, finally, with Big Finish uh, adapting cult classic shows in the audio dramas, would you ever consider getting a license to adapt Garth Marenghi's Dark Place for audio? <laughs> well, the fellow who played Darth Marenghi has been in a Big Finish production, hasn't he? 
he has, yes, quite right. What was he I, in? Do you know? Can you remember? I can't remember for life of me, but I remember that people have always been mentioning the fact that he has been in Big Finish and therefore it opens a door. Yeah, what's his name? I can't remember, but I know his face. <laughs> I can't remember anything. You know me, I'm hopeless No, well, names. neither can I. I'm relying on you. Uh, all right, Garth. Garth Marenghi's Garth oh. Marenghi's Dark Place. Marenghi's Dark Meringue. Matthew Holness. Matthew Holness. Right, now we'd have to look him up on Big Finish. Matthew Holness. Ah, he's in The Lure of the Nomad. The Lure of the Nomad. Apparently. Is that right? Yes, he plays Eric Drazen. Uh, Eric Drazen. In in this story by Matthew J. Elliott. Um, wow, is that so long ago? 2018. Wow. There you go. <laughs> That's history for you there. Well, it's a tough. It's it's one of those weird ones, you know. I mean, my personal views on Garth Marenghi's Dark Players is it's just such it's such a cracking series that I feel like it's it's sort of like the the Forty Towers. Like to do more with 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 sort of take away from what it is but equally on, yes. the, on the flip side of that it is really good and you could have a lot of fun with it on audio so it's a weird one I mean, isn't it yeah you'd almost want to say uh, to uh, Matthew you know do you want to come up with a new weird audio series is what you'd want to do really I mean I think Garth Marenghi's uh, um, uh, what's it called again? Dark Place <laughs> Dark Place I'm sorry the script was slightly obscured and I am ill um it's so disturbingly bad. I find it quite difficult to watch. I mean, it's <laughs> it's brilliant. There's so many there's deliberate bad sound edits and people's people looking in slightly the wrong direction. And you know, it's and a perfectly crafted piece. Isn't it, it is. It is amazing. There's a bit where someone explodes in the first or second episode, isn't there? And even though it's done really, really badly, it's also quite disgusting as well. <laughs> And the way he talks, he's got that way of, you know, yes, that's right, love, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, probably not is the disappointing response to your email uh, at the end there, Adam Ross. But thank you for writing in. Always lovely to hear from you. Uh, by the way, that's it for the emails this week. More next time. Well, still to come on this podcast, the Randomoid Select Strong, giving you 25% of a randomly selected Big Finish release. And we dramatise you with the first 15 minutes of the 12th Doctor Chronicles Time Jacked. But first, it is time for Also Available. This week, we take a look back at the 8th Doctor and Lucy adventures in an audio documentary made some years ago by the brilliant Martin Montague. <laughs> There's a message coming through. Hello? Doctor? Ah, there you are, Doctor. It is the Doctor! They get very excited about you, don't they? One gets used to it. Doctor, what on earth are those creatures? We will recover. We will survive. There are too many of them, boss. I don't know what we can do. It's moving. It's, it's about 20 metres in front of you, hey? Stop him. Fire! And away!
Even the ends here, time traveler. Where are you, Lucy? Close your eyes, Lucy. Give me your time. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs. I'm the executive producer of the Big Finish Doctor Who range. Hello, I'm Barnaby Edwards, and I am the line producer of the Eighth Doctor Adventures at Big Finish. The spin-off range for Paul McGann came about because, and I don't know whether I'd call it a spin-off range, I'd just call it, you know, it's its own special range, because we'd had uh, a few Paul McGann adventures on Radio 7, and they'd gone down very well. And we talked about the possibility of doing an entirely new range, even though the Charlie Pollard storyline was continuing in the main range of Doctor Who stories with the Eighth Doctor doing something that had more a little bit of the flavour of the new TV series in it with a brand new companion and to do them as uh, 45-minute episodes, that sort of thing. Well, 50-minute, really. We just thought that that was an exciting new prospect. Now, if only we had a radio. We've both been involved in the television uh, series of Doctor Who, uh, him as the voice of the Daleks and me as the body of the Daleks, and we'd seen from up first, you know, at first hand how the nature of Doctor Who had changed, how Russell had had moved it into a much more dynamic single-episode format, which was fast-paced and funny and um, full of action and full of sparkling dialogue. And I think Nick wanted to try something similar to to, um, revitalise Big Finish, not that it was necessarily going downhill or anything, but I think he just wanted to bring that level of excitement, which new Doctor Who viewers were getting from Doctor Who uh, into audio listeners. So yes, it was uh, uh, an attempt to sort of inject some new vitality into it. And the truth of the matter is that Paul McGann actually was considering stopping doing them. And uh, when we spoke to him about uh, a sort of new beginning, he thought he'd give it a go. Um, with a new companion and a new format. He thought that might be quite exciting. And so we wanted to make it as exciting for us and for him as possible. And Barnaby Edwards did some fantastic casting. My role has been a very developing role. Initially, it was, uh, would I like to assist in directing some of them? Um, And then I started to get some quite good cast on board the ones I was directing and so Nick asked me if I would then do casting director on it as well Uh, and quite often on Big Finish One certainly on every Big Finish One that I'm involved with I take the photographs as well so I then became official photographer for it and then uh, I started doing the scripts and doing the scheduling breakdowns for Nick Uh, so eventually I became associate producer on it so that was for series one and then for series from series two onwards I've been sort of on as a line producer on it, as well as casting director and photographer and things. Okay, one last time, folks. It's so nearly there. Just You can pace it now, you can take your time, give air to bits and speed up on other bits, but um, yeah, just, just make it your own, okay? Whose is it at the moment? Uh, <laughs> a lot of directors are slightly nervous about the whole casting process, and I'm not sort of blowing my own trumpet or anything like that, but I actually really enjoy it. Uh, I don't know whether that's because I'm an actor as well as a director, Um, but certainly that does help 
because I know a lot of directors, when you ask them, who would you like to be in this, they go, their mind goes a complete blank. And of course, in their head, they can think of 5,000 actors, but they can't actually at that moment think of any that could possibly play that part. Whereas in my head, I've got a vast list of actors who I'm desperate to work with, and I'm looking, actively looking for parts for them. And that hasn't dried up, touch wood, after, after five years of, of doing casting. So when I get the script, obviously the most important thing is the script. Uh, both as a director and as a casting director, y you respect the script and you've got to get the right actors for that script. And I think what tends to happen is when you're going through a script, you find a key role and you think, hmm, that's the sort of role that Bernard Cribbins might do. Doctor, what on earth are those creatures? So I can really see Timothy West playing that part. Phobos is Greek for fear. They didn't know how right they were when they called it that. And then once you've got that, it's like a sort of game of trumps, really. It's pairing people up. You sort of think, hmm, now if I've got Nigel Havers... I always knew you'd turn up one day, Doctor. How are you? Who would make a lovely love interest for Nigel Havers? I think, you know, maybe uh, I'll go for Julia McKenzie. No more lies, Nick. <laughs> No more lies. Oh, Rachel, I'm so sorry. And then who would be a good brother for her? Tom Chabon. You want to save the planet, don't you? Yes, but I hadn't envisaged doing it from the back of a giant prehistoric time bat called Margaret. A mere detail. That's the way it works in your head. There's a corpse out there in the car park. What? The savaged body of a dead glam rocker. A dead glam rocker? The Bernard Cribbins thing was really a dream come true uh, because when I was growing up, every single car journey that we had, my favourite cassette that we used to put on the player was the Winnie the Pooh stories, which were read by Bernard Cribbins. And so I have got him as part of my DNA in my head, his beautiful voice and his fantastic readings. And I've always, always, always wanted to work with him. Who'd have thought I was the most dynamic and powerful manager in the biz? That was the first script that I was directing uh, in the Eighth Doctor series. And I just thought, well, go for it. Go for the, the one actor that you've always dreamed of directing and working with. Um, and to my huge surprise and great pleasure, he said yes. I thought you'd understand being in showbiz. What? Well, the costume, the wig. This is quite sober where I come from. No, I'm enjoying it enormously. It's... Uh... It's nice to see a few people I hadn't seen for a while, like you, and, and uh, I haven't worked with Paul before, and it's all trotting along very well. Really on the ball, um, and very interesting to interview. He insisted on playing the guitar while I was interviewing him. Hello, good evening. My name is Oscar Hammerstein, and this is one of my latest creations. The guitar is flat, so we won't bother. <laughs> he's one of those people you can't believe he's as old as he actually is, because he seems so bright and so alert. I just opened the newspaper, I saw it advertised and uh, I thought I could do that. And I heard the lunches were very good as well. Indeed, so that's why I am here. <laughs> the reason Bernard Cribbins came and did it is because we were able to tell his agent that we'd booked Una Stubbs. Wow, that explains a lot. And, uh, and the message came back that he would do any job if he was working with Una Stubbs. <laughs> bless him and uh, yeah so we cast him before the tv series did i think they just nicked our idea didn't they he was brilliant i think it was a real sort of wake-up call when people heard him and heard how amazing he was and i certainly know that that russell t davis uh, uh listened to it and that and that cardiff were very much aware that we had bernard cribbins and uh i, I certainly it is bernard's opinion um and 
partly mine too, that the reason he was cast in the TV series of Doctor Who is is due to horror of glam rock and due to him him coming back into the Doctor Who fold. And great for that. That's brilliant. That's one of the wonderful, lovely things about working uh, in Doctor Who, both on the radio and on the TV series, is that you can pros- you can cross pollinate each other. <laughs> if you sit in there long enough, you get to see all the stars there are. When John Pertwee was leaving it, there were a lot of interviews um, with Barry Letts, I think, was the producer, and I went along to be interviewed with a view to perhaps playing Doctor Who. I would love to have done it, I must say. But uh, we were nattering, and he was saying, well, uh, I know, you know what else you've done, but in the theatre and da-da-da. He said, what else can you do? I said, well, I was a paratrooper, and I can, you know, I can rush about and roll around the floor, and I can fight. He said, oh, no, 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 never fights. Doctor Who never fights. I said, OK, fine. Anyway, we concluded the interview, and... Uh, I went home, didn't get the job, obviously. Tom Baker, who I thought was absolutely wonderful as Doctor Who, um, he got it, and two episodes in, he's knocking lumps off somebody. (laughs) I thought, how dare they say, don't have to fight. It would have been really interesting if they'd cast him as the Doctor all those years ago. It would have been an inspired choice, actually. I mean, you know, we would have ended up not getting Tom Baker, and he was brilliant, but, you know, it would have been fantastic. I did a movie in uh, somewhere in the 60s, 68, I think it was, with um, lovely Peter Cushing as the Doctor. I got into terrible trouble with uh, Gordon Fleming, the director, because the Dalek voices, the guys inside the Daleks operating, had to know the lines in order to cooperate with the live actors. And one of the guys, Bob Jewell, was Australian, and he used to get this, you will be exterminated. <laughs> coming out and I'd, I'd gone every single time you see I just went and Gordon Fleming for God's sake growling and snarling at me for the whole day we were working in the spaceship with these guys I had absolutely completely forgotten that he was in the movies when I was thinking about casting him because I was only thinking about casting him because of these audios that I'd grown up with because I just loved his voice I accepted the job on the, on the, purely on the script yeah. And the lunch is a lovely bonus. And this guitar they've given me is quite nice. Yes. Have you, you haven't got it tuned yet? No, not no. quite, no, but no. it doesn't matter. I sing out of tune anyway, so it probably balances quite nicely. <laughs> and indeed, when we were recording, I made him do his voice for Piglet. With with certain actors, you can force them to 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 relive their highlights or relive the the things that you remember when you were a childhood. I made I made Eunice Stubbs do her Aunt Sally walk as well. I'm beginning to sound like some strange Eric von Stroheim director. (laughs) But no, if they're game, then I'm up for it. I've seen now like it. You will. We can't look at this without talking about your work with Stephen Gately. What can you tell me about that? Well, Stephen is was just the most lovely human being around. Absolutely fantastic. I knew that when this script came in for Horror of Glam Rock, it, it had a, a character who was a pop star, um, this young Tommy Tomorrow. And we were just going to get a, a, a normal young actor for it. And I suddenly thought, well, look, if it's, it's all about glam rock music, it's all about pop. Um, let's see if we can get uh, a pop star for it. Uh, and uh, Tim Sutton and I will write a pop song for him. And I, being <laughs> being uh, uh, more naive uh, in the world, I thought, well, let's just go for the top person. Let's just go for, a, you know, someone from, from Boyzone and... Uh, 
as someone who's got a lovely voice. And I think I just heard uh, him sing the Billy Elliot song, and I thought he has got a really spec spectacular voice. Uh, so I phoned his his agent um, and uh, managed to get the offer through, and it came back with a definite. He loved to do it. No, I I, I wanted to do it because it's such a. I mean, I'm absolutely loving the fact that it's back on TV, and I'm loving every episode I've seen so far. I knew he loved to play the role. I then had to have a subsequent negotiation to say, actually, we'd also quite like him to sing the song in it as well. Uh, and asking, you know, a multi-million selling pop star if they'd mind singing a song uh, for very, very little money um, is, uh, is quite a tricky thing. But he was absolutely up for it. Oh, even better, even better. I'm so chuffed I get to sing a song for it. Um, it's quite a funky, um, kind of glam rock, T-Rex um, song. And it's, it's, it's a good song. I like it. So I'm, I'm going to um, do the recording for that. And that's uh, separate from this. But um, it's great that the fact that I'm, I'm going to be singing a song for Doctor Who. I am human. I am a new man. I want to be free. Come rescue me. And he was the most delightful person to work with. He's one of those people who, when you have them there in a cast, really makes everyone have a great day and have a happy time. And I kept in touch with Stephen. I used to go up for sort of evenings with him and dinner with him and stuff like that ever since ever since uh, the horror of Glamrock. And I was speaking to him only you know a few weeks before his his tragic death. And um, you know we were we were going to do other songs and stuff like that. He's such a lovely guy and. Uh, so when I think about horror of glam rock, it's tinged with a tiny bit of sadness, but mainly absolute joy that that you know I remember all the wonderful things that we did uh, with you know, having a cast of Scott Bernard Crimmins, <laughs> Stephen Gately, and Eunice Stubbs all firing on all cylinders is um, is a wonderful day. Just go to bigfinish.com, select the audiobook tab at the top, then click on Eighth Doctor Adventures, sorts by oldest first, and there you'll see all these classic Lucy Miller adventures. And we'll be dipping into this brilliant documentary from Martin Montague in future Big Finish podcasts. And we certainly look forward to that. But in the meantime... It's the Randomoids Electrotron, where we give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Do you get that? I got that, and Ran has come up with uh, Doctor Who, The Trouble with Drax, fourth Doctor oh, story there. The Trouble with Drax. This is great, this. This is by John um, Dorney. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to type and speak at the same time. And, it's got, and I'm not very well, listeners. Well, also, it's, it's got the, the late, great John Chalice in it. Yes. Who, uh, sadly left us only very recently. Yeah. Uh, and Ray Brooks, the boy with the knack. Yeah. Uh, Ray Brooks. All-star, all-star cast there. Hugh Fraser, Hastings himself. Miranda Raisin. Jane Slavin. What a tour de force. John it's, Leeson. Yeah, Lala yeah. Lala Ward. I mean, it's a tour and de force. And Tom Baker. And Tom Baker, of course. Yes. And John Banks. Yes. It's, very, it's a really good story. Here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, the fourth Doctor adventures, The Trouble with Drax. There, Brighton, 1851. Hopefully the atmosphere will prove a little more cordial on this occasion. We're constantly visiting the same cities on the same planets. What's happening? What's happening? Master, the course is being directed by an outside influence. Hello? Anybody home? Step away from your TARDIS, Time Lord. 
Oh no! All right, boys, there he is. Fugitive Drax, you have been positively identified. Drax? Doctor! And Princess Astra have been improving on that stuffy ice maiden you used to hang around with, eh, Doc? I think not. Why not? Because I am that stuffy ice maiden. Well, this is awkward. Hey, Nine, stun them! Laser, non-operational, mistress. I believe it's called a state of grace. Time Lord technology, according to Drax. Drax, you didn't. I did. Even told him how to allow strategic exceptions, didn't I? Drax, why are we here? Altrazar. Altrazar. The legendary city, lost to eternity. A metropolis erased from history so completely that only time sensitives have any suspicion it was ever there. What would you say if I told you that not only do I know where Altrazar is, but I've got a map that can take us there? That's a bit out of the ordinary. Isn't it? And the shadows. People who once were, who'll never be. Ghosts lost in the mists of time. Big finish. We love stories. Had such fun doing a slight, slightly scared of Ray Brooks. Slightly scary chap. <laughs> um, well, he's but, the boy with the knack. Well, indeed. Um, but he did a, a fantastic job. And he and Tom Baker knew each other of old. They both sort of captain voiceover from back in the day you know what i mean and so yeah they, yeah yeah they'd frequented the same studios and knew each other so yeah uh brilliant just and miranda raisin doing such a fabulous job there um the, everyone and, and yes uh john chalice it was like, john used to go everywhere with his wife and she just she just came with him to the studio it's like oh this is my wife and uh and he was a charming lovely man and it was such a privilege to work with him uh, an icon of, of british comedy really um right while i email jackie at big finish to make sure she puts the offer live which she always does with such beautiful precision uh benji will explain how you get your discount dismount yes and all you have to do is go to bigfinish.com you can find the details of the podcast on the home page or you can click the podcast tab and find it there or you can click the audiobooks section and find it in the big finish podcast range when you've done that select this week's podcast click read more and you can see that it says the randomoid selectatron also features offering you a 25 percent reduction on the selected release just click here and enter the code buck up that's buck up b-u-c-k-u-p all capitals no spaces just click there put it in do your stuff and you'll get your discount it's a great way to fill out that collection do whatever you gotta do to catch up on all these releases because blimey there's a lot of them wow um well thank you ran and thank you benji for that brilliant explanation next week's podcast is entitled jenny jacoby it features jenny the doctor's daughter in her second great series for big finish starring of course georgia tennant in four exciting adventures under the umbrella title of umbrella it's raining no no uh still running which you would do if it was raining uh yeah. we'll also be delving in fact it's just started to rain while i've been reading that out so that's a bit spooky well it is halloween still spooky. <laughs> 
We'll also be delving into Scott Handcock's rather lovely interview with Sir Derek Jacobi. Big finishing conversation, I, Jacobi. Little pun on Sir Derek's breakthrough role there as the famous as role as the, the lead in the acclaimed BBC TV series Only Claudius or I, Clavdius, for those of you who like to uh, read the opening title sequence um, <laughs> pedantically. Uh, anyway, see what we did there with the I, Jacobi thing. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Clavdius. It's just time for me to say, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Nick and I will be back next week. A little bit like that snake in the in the I, Claudius opening. That will be us, you know. Can't remember the tune, but it was something like that. Some bloke. Bye, anyway. I'm sure the composer of I, Claudius would like to be... Some bloke on a trumpet. Time now for the 12th Doctor Chronicles Time Jacked Flight to Calandra by Matt Fitton and starring Jacob Dudman. Ah, perfectly chilled. I'm busy! Needs more help. Maybe one that goes up to 12. <coughs> I said I'm busy now, doll. How am I supposed to focus if you keep... You're not that old. No, I'm Kira. Kira Sandstrom. I wasn't complaining. So, Kira Sandstrom, what's so urgent you had to break in? I don't usually allow students in my office uninvited. I sometimes wonder if we could run the place without students for a storm. Oh, is this a complaint? No, a hijack. Hence the big gun. It's the end of term gradings, isn't it? Sorry, my decision is final. Believe me, I've never scored less than an A-star. Really? Because your word choice shows sloppy thinking. A hijack usually involves a vehicle. Nardole! Is Nardole your cyborg? He's in the corridor. Well, most of him. I shove some bits in a broom cupboard. Seriously? Do you know how difficult it is to put back together? I don't allow guns in my office. Mainly because I don't like them. But they won't work in here anyway. Ah, must get around to extending the temporal grace field. Didn't need that paperweight, did you? Open her up. We're going on a trip. You've lost me. Open who up? Your ship. Your TARDIS. Out of order? That's fooling no one. Why should I? Because if you don't, I'll shoot the next person through that door. Professor, cleaner, student, I don't care. (gasps) I really don't think... You were saying... What did that guitar ever do to you? I just heard you play it. Reason enough. TARDIS, open now. I need my... Leave the shades. It's not sunny where we're going. Now move. I'm only doing this because someone like you should not be in a university setting. Understand? You don't think I've got the grades? Just how qualified are you, Doctor? You know who I am, and you know about the TARDIS. You really are as clever as they say. Hey, I do the sarcasm. Hurry it up. I've been stuck on this crummy planet for far too long. (sighs) Backwards doesn't cover it. If you're such a smarty pants, why'd it take you so long to find me? I've been here the best part of a century. I know that now. All I need is a ride. Oh, you should have said. Nothing I like more than being treated as a glorified taxi service at gunpoint. You see, sarcasm. 
but I am willing to take a trigger-happy sociopath as far away from Earth as possible. What's the destination? We're going to Calandra. What is it now? More of them. Sector 15. More? No, we can't possibly cope with any more. We're going to have to. Now calm down and tell me where we can put them. Uh, habitation zone 692. I think there's capacity there, but the food supplies... Tell the logistics leader to put the whole city on 60% rations until further notice. All right. Um, rationing decrees. Rationing decrees. Um, it shouldn't be a surprise after the last reduction. And you should send in sweepers to move them along. Vetch, are you listening? Vetch! I'm sorry. I'm exhausted. We're all exhausted. This crisis is taking it out of everyone. Now deploy the robots and make sure they keep everyone else off the streets. <sighs> you can put the gun away. I'm doing what you want, aren't I? I'll hang on to it, if it's all the same to you. It really isn't. In one scenario, I'm steering the TARDIS with the gun pointed in my head. In the other, I'm not. Stop stalling and, and get on with it. Shouldn't we be there by now? Watch the rush. Enjoy the panache of a master at work. Time and place confirmed. A few centuries back, at about 16 million light years to the left. Calandra. Nice little planet in the Vargan Cluster, if I remember. Always kept themselves to themselves. Good, okay. You got any rope? Does this place look like a garden center? Don't answer that. Not got any in that backpack of yours? No. Well, what do you know? I'm all out too. Okay, we're landing. Cable, then. You must have cables. What for? Seems an odd time to take up skipping. It's to tie you up until I get back. No, absolutely not. I'd draw the line of being trussed up in my own ship. Shoot me if you want, but I'm coming out there with you. <sighs> Suit yourself. Another manifestation. A big one. It can't be. We only just got the last lot settled. Hate to say it, Vetch, but that is why we're here. Damage control. The arrivals are getting more frequent. We'll be completely overrun in days. What do we do when there's no more room? Come on, you need to be on this. Where are they? Uh, transit station 9. More commute. You know what that means. Oh, no. Not again. How many? A lot? Remind me, how did you get to be science leader? This is beyond our science, you know that. I am the best Calandra has to offer. May the stars help us all. How about you stop complaining, security leader Miller, and focus on doing your own job? We must get them contained. Hide the gun. It'll only get us shot at. But... Or is it me you're worried about? What's the worst I'm going to do? Run off and leave you in peace? I guess. Try anything funny and you'll see how fast I can draw. Oh, but I can't help being funny. Ask Harold Lloyd. It's a natural flair. I hope you weren't expecting a welcome parade. 
Not exactly. How long were you on Earth? Not long. In fact, how did you get from here to there? Too many questions. No such thing. Something's wrong here. I can smell it. I mean, literally smell it. There's a tang in the air. An aftertaste. Thanks for your input. Shut up now. Really, though? Where is everyone? One way to find out. Hello? Hello? Come on, Vetch. Transit Station 9. It can't be that hard to count the life signs. Uh, I, I was waiting for the manifestations to stop. And? How many more confused are we dealing with? Try and focus. 60? 70? And of course, we'll be in the mix as well. Of course. Can't be helped. Although, you're right. We're out of places to put them. Okay. Plan B. Get some sweepers over there. Clear out the station in case of more arrivals. We'll just have to pacify them outside. On the streets? That's awful. You know what happens if we leave them? The confused will find their way to their originals. Remember the chaos when they first started? Masses of bodies piling in. The poor people crushed by... by... by pale shadows of themselves. It doesn't bear thinking about. Our herding strategy worked for a while. Containing them away from residential areas, keeping them watered and fed. It's such a strain on all our resources. Which is why I'm saying we must now use the sweepers to subdue them and keep them subdued. That's not a sustainable strategy. The process is as humane as I can manage. I use the new technology, but we can't keep repeating it forever. We're out of room and out of options. Mass suppression is the way to go. I'll monitor this one in person. I should come too. If you feel up to it. Bring your remote controller. All right, of course. I'll reset the normal protocols. Your new normal, I mean. Locate and pacify. I can have the sweepers respond automatically to all new manifestations. I don't know why we couldn't just vaporize them. The confused are people, in a way. They're living beings, just like us. I won't hurt them. Anyway, we, we don't know if weapons work, and we certainly don't know the damage it might do to us, the originals. You don't know much, do you? I need time to analyze the situation, work out what we're going to do with the confused. I mean, in the long term. From the state you're in, I don't know how long a long term we're actually going to have. You're taking a weapon? I am in charge of security. What is this place? Do I know you? Who are you? What are they? Do we do as they say? Where are they sending us? Why build all this if nobody's going to use it? It wasn't like this when I left. There were people. Everywhere. Maybe they abandoned the planet. Imminent disaster, moon on a collision course, it's happened before, in lots of places. Sometimes it wasn't even my fault. I guess it's possible. Maybe they just wiped themselves out. That's not down to me either. No way. You're not from Calandra at all, are you? 
I never said I was. You haven't said much? I think, Kira Sandstrom, if that is your name, you should start... Of course it's my name. Why wouldn't it be my name? Oh, just a sense of general untrustworthiness you exude. Now, why would that be? Ah, yes, armed kidnapping. Anyway, whoever you are, you should start by telling me what you were doing here before. I do not answer to... What's going on over there? See the sign? Transit Station 9, public transport system. Doesn't look like a very pleasant commute. Come on, let's catch the A train. What are they doing with these people? We're best staying out of it. Those things? They clean the streets when I was here before. Robots, eh? Nothing good ever comes of societies getting robots to do their dirty work. Only, I'm getting that tang again. Wait, I think I recognize someone. Hey! Stay away! Who are you? Well, she doesn't remember you. Your cleaners are expanding their job description. Those aren't feather dusters. They're killing them! No, they're unconscious. It's not that simple. They might well have been glorified street sweepers before. So, this is just some form of crowd control. You could say that. If you're very, very stupid, the cleaners are sending these people to sleep by stealing approximately ten hours from every individual's time stream. That's humane, isn't it? At best, it's a misguided alternative to the stun gun. At worst, it's a horrendous misuse of temporal technology. I don't suppose you'd know anything about that. Uh, hold it right there. Stop waving that thing around before you damage something. I could say the same to you. Only, as this is a screwdriver and that's a gun, I'm more likely to fix something. Oh, shut up, smart mouth. Oh, it's not just the mouth. Nice to have my intellect appreciated. Now, excuse me while I try to help these people. Don't worry about the confused. The sweepers are dealing with them. Which is exactly what I'd like to stop. The confused, is that what you call them? Hang on. I've seen you. Yes, there you are, down on the floor. Who are you? You too. You've both got sleeping doppelgangers. What is this, Planet of the Clones? I don't remember Calandra being that advanced. Are you from Off-World? Hold on. Kira! Oh. Makes a refreshing change, someone pointing a gun at you. Well, you've a nerve coming back after everything you did. Friends of yours? They've definitely got your number. Listen, I'm here to fix things. Don't trust her. I've barely known her an hour, and only one word in five is anywhere near the vicinity of the truth. I know who she is. Who are you? I'm the doctor. Doctor? A scientist? Introductions, please, Kira. That's science leader Vetch. The one with the gun is security leader Miller. This is the doctor. And whatever's gone wrong on Calandra, he might be able to help. Under arrest? Marched along at gunpoint? I'd say this is as good a time as any for an explanation, Miss Sandstrom. I'd like to hear the real story, too. Not that rubbish about being a research student you spanned to us before. So you're a serial academic impersonator? I didn't... I mean... I'm not... Ugh. Well? Let's not be too hasty about charging our lasers. 
Your trigger finger might slip, cut her off in her prime. All right, if it's the only way we can fix this, I'll tell you the truth. Finally. This better be good. I'm a time agent. I knew it. Let us speak.